Welcome to Landscape Photography World. I'm Grant Swinburne and I'll be your host on this show discussing the world of landscape photography. In future shows I'll be talking to some of the best landscape photographers that inspire me. We'll be getting to know them better and talk to them about their inspirations and motivations, how they've developed their style and what they do and don't like about being a photographer. I'm keen to explore with you the art of landscape photography, composition, the use of tone and colour, with maybe a little bit of tech talk along the way. What I'm aiming for, though, is to give you a glimpse into the world of landscape photography from the perspective of some of the best landscape photographers out there. I hope you enjoy the show. For now, I'd like to tell you a little bit about myself and how I got into photography and what motivates me and you know the, the style of work that I do. I was born in Sydney too many years ago and I've lived here most of my life. I've been lucky enough to be able to travel quite a bit, for both for work and also uh, sometimes for fun. I got asked a little while ago how many kilometres I thought I'd travelled and I'd have to say it's well over 100,000 k's. I've done lots of trips within Australia, uh, both around New South Wales, but also I've visited each state multiple times. Uh, but also made several trips to Europe, North and South America, Japan, Southeast Asia and the Pacific, including New Zealand, Fiji and Vanuatu. Uh, sometimes for work and unfortunately that gives, doesn't, hasn't given me a lot of time for photography in some of these places. Other times I've revisited for, for holidays and that's made it a little bit easier. I've still got a lot of places I want to visit and I hope to be doing some of that as soon as the pandemic looks like it's under control and border restrictions are lifted. I shoot mostly landscapes, lots of seascapes, cityscapes and waterfalls. I've started selling prints online recently and I've had a few shots published in magazines including National Geographic's Spanish language travel magazine Vieyes NG. So, where did it all start? How, how did I get into photography and what does it mean to me? Um, well, my father, he really started me on my photography journey. He was an avid photographer and I remember as a kid the excitement of slide nights with Dad telling stories of his days in the Navy and his many trips overseas to places like Hong Kong, Vietnam, Singapore and the Philippines. I used to dream of uh, travelling to those places and you know seeing some of those sites, but also, you know, used to uh, really enjoy some of the stories that he told uh, about some of the things that he got up to while he was in the navy. Um, when I got my first SLR camera, he lent me his old Velbon tripod, and it's one of the very few things of his that I've kept uh, after he died. I really loved looking at his uh, old shots and slides and dreamed of one day travelling to those places and seeing the same sights that he did. He gave me my first camera when I was 10. It was an Agfa Autostar Pocket and used those 110mm film cassettes which you'd have to take to the chemist or a news agent to get sent away to be developed. Usually took somewhere between three or four days to a week and the anticipation waiting for those shots to you know, come back as actual photos and the negatives was agony, particularly that first roll of film that I uh, sent in for, for developing. Um, I was lucky enough in high school to get the opportunity to start playing with the darkroom equipment that they had there and get into the magic of developing negatives and enlarging onto photo paper. I remember the first time uh, of 
I developed an image seeing it begin to appear in the fixing tray and feeling so excited that I was able to take the image from the camera in the darkroom and actually onto a print. The magic of seeing it appear as if from nothing on a blank piece of paper really captivated me. Um, in my twenties I saved up and I bought my first SLR that was the uh, Minolta XG1 with a couple of lenses uh, all of which I still have. I keep them on, on the bookcase behind my desk uh, and remind myself occasionally of uh, where, where my SLR journey started back in the, uh, the, the very early 80s. Um, I struggled to afford a darkroom setup so most of my shots from that time were still lab developed which when I look back on it was probably just as expensive as buying the, uh, the gear and doing it myself over the, over the years. Um, I did do a little bit of development of uh, negatives using a development tank and a, a, a darkroom bag which uh, you'd wrap around the, the, the tank and keep things nice and dark but uh, you know, I didn't go much past that as uh, it was, well, it was an expensive proposition to get into. Then the digital age came along a few years later by that time I'd started a career and gotten married and had kids so buying anything other than point and shoots was never really a priority for me. I still like playing around with editing a bit uh, and started to get into the early stages of uh, Photoshop and GIMP and a few other, other tools. Um, after a few years though I took the plunge and bought my first DSLR. It wasn't anything flash, uh, it was a Canon 500D with a couple of kit lenses. Gradually the appetite for improving on what I could do and the gear that I had uh, after starting to stretch some of the limitations of it, um, that became too much and I progressed to better bod bodies and lenses over, over the years um, and I've finally landed in the current setup which is a 6D, based around a 6D Mark II. Um, I chose that largely because it had a number of features which I found really useful including the uh, wireless capability where I can connect my phone via Wi-Fi to the camera and remote control it and be able to review and see the images directly on my phone. Um, I find that really useful particularly when I'm out doing long exposures or seascapes where I can sort of set things up and stand back a little bit and uh, watch the, the, the scene while, uh, while I'm taking a, a very long exposure. Um, I've worked with mostly Canon bodies and lenses, Nissi filters and Sirui. Uh, I've got a Sirui carbon fibre tripod at the moment. I usually shoot wide using the 16 to 35 f2.8 L lens, but also like doing long range landscapes using the 70 to 200 f2.8 L. Uh, I haven't made the switch to mirrorless yet but I'm keeping a close eye on developments and might be looking to switch in the next 12 months or so. So far I'm getting great value out of the 6D and uh, you know, I'm, not, uh, I'm not quite ready to, to part with it. I know how it works, I know, I know what I'm doing with it and yeah there might be some cute features on some of the R's or uh, some of the other mirrorless uh, formats that are out there but uh, as I say I'm enjoying what I've, what I've got now. Um, gear to me isn't the most important thing, though. You know, having good gear and good glass, the the, the better the lens, you know, the the the, the better the end product. Um, 
it's really about for me you know how you actually compose a shot and uh, pull it together and then you know what what your creative vision is once you actually get it into post-processing etc alongside collecting better gear came a lot of time spent learning how to shoot and edit better I'm still learning a lot and really enjoying seeing the growth in my work from the early days. In some ways I'd wish I'd, I'd got into it sooner than I had, but it is what it is and I'm definitely enjoying where photography has taken me in the past few years. I joined a few sites and forums. Uh, There's a really good uh, forum of Australian photographers which taught me a load of tips and tricks to improve on what I was doing, what to look out for in compositions, etc. And I find learning by watching and listening to what others are doing really works for me. And I started to subscribe to a lot of YouTube channels like Flern and F64 and a few other landscape photographer, uh, photography um, channels. Um, and, but other than my early high school education, I'm mostly self-taught uh, when it comes to learning the craft, you know, watching, learning what other people are doing seeing what uh, works for me, experimenting. And for me, that's you know a big part of why I do what I do. I like the experimentation. I like looking at things a little bit differently and trying to work out new and different ways of uh, you know, getting, getting results. So why landscape photography? I guess mainly because I'm a you know, fairly major introvert. I've always been happy, happiest with my own company. Uh, I'm not saying I don't enjoy spending time with friends. Uh, and I've had some great time shooting with mates and other people I've met along the way. But I get a real charge from the time I can spend inside my own head working a composition, trying different angles, and then working my settings to know what I'm you know, try, feeling from the shoot. Um, the thought of dealing with people and doing portraits, telling them how to sit and hold their heads, etc. You know, to be honest, just leaves me feeling really exhausted. Um, I'm not, uh, I'm not into it, and it's probably not something that I, you know, I, I have shot people and portraits, mostly family and friends and so forth. But you know, for me, it, it, it doesn't give me the same joy that standing knee deep in a wave or a stream, capturing great light with flowing water. And a bit of you know a nice sunset with some cloud you know that to me is pure bliss um i love long exposures and i love interesting light and it, that that just feeds a beast inside me and whether it's a banger of a sunrise or sunset i know that i can usually make something interesting to me at, at least and hopefully others might like it as well I started looking at the shots that I saw, you know, on sites around the the internet, like uh, 500 pixels, DeviantArt, etc., and wondered how some of the photographers managed the dynamic range as well as they did, because I, you know, started using ND filters and and uh, graduated filters and whatever, and you know, for me there was always a little bit lacking in that. Uh, yes, you can get, you know great results using filters and potentially get you know the shot in one go in in camera but you know what I was seeing on some of these shots looked way beyond that and that was when I started to get into exposure bracketing and then using uh, exposure blending using luminosity masks to blend those multiple exposures and then bring you know the control of the highlights and shadows 
It also brings the ability to add or subtract details from the, the, the final result because you've got multiple shots taken from exactly the same angle. Um, learning these techniques also helps when it comes to making composites. I don't do a lot of composites, but I do do some. And knowing how to use layers and what each layer is doing in Photoshop uh, you know, to, to the, the, the final result really makes it easy to pull together that final image and make the fine-tune adjustments to almost every aspect, you know, whether it's colour, tone, highlights, shadows. The selective editing makes the biggest difference on how to make an image you know, look the way that you want. And for me, it gives total creative control over the output. If you're not doing selective editing, then it's something you really need to explore. I'm not saying that uh, you know you can't get res you know good results with um, global changes, but global changes don't give you the same level of control. And you might push, you know, a shadow or a, uh, a, a highlight, and that then changes uh, you know your tone and and you know changes your ability to control the overall end result. And you know it's that shifting and moving about that really is the the, the magic source in in a lot of what I do anyway. And I know there's a lot of people out there that already know this stuff, but uh, you know this, this isn't speaking to you necessarily. It's really speaking to the people that uh, are still you know messing around with global edits and starting to learn learn their way through it. Um, some will say you know composites and those sorts of things and blending you know isn't really photography. It's really you know being able to edit. Um, to me, though, you know, those techniques like blending and composite building, they've been around since the very early days of photography. You know, it was just done in a dark room with chemicals. Um, you know, and some of the biggest names like Hurley, uh, you know, Frank Hurley and uh, Ansel Adams, they created composites either to tell a story of the experience they're trying to convey or simply to make them in, you know, a more interesting image. You know, and to me, that's part of the creative process. And I don't see that using Photoshop to enhance or change uh, aspects of your image necessarily isn't photography. Um, if you've taken the image and you you've edited, you know, it, it's a darkroom process. You know, it, it might be called Lightroom or it might be called Photoshop, but you know, it's to me, it's still that processing and it's. You know, giving you the control over how the image ends up looking. And that's really what photography is for me. It's being able to express uh, the feeling that I had standing in a stream or standing watching the sunrise or sunset and getting the viewer to look at that and go, yeah, I feel, I, I, I feel that, you know, that something out of that image. It's not about, you know, whether or not the... Uh, you know, the, every element in it was actually right there at that one time. Most of what I do, though, is, you know, exposure blending from within, say, you know, three to five seconds, uh, particularly, you know, flow shots. Most of those are, you know, uh, sub-second shots, and it's really going click, 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 taking the, the, the shots that I need to get, get me what I want for... Uh, the, the processing and then the processing you know pulls all, all of those elements together to give me the dynamic range that I'm looking for um, 
I've been kind of restricted though recently in shooting in my local area and with the current lockdown can't even get out to shoot anything interesting within 10Ks. I live in Western Sydney and you know it's literally suburbia and yeah there's people that do that sort of thing but it just doesn't it doesn't just you know it's not something that grabs me so I haven't been getting out shooting uh, in in the past few weeks because of the the, the lockdown. Um, the lack of op opportunities to get uh, into international locations as well has uh, been a bit of a frustration. Um, but it's made me reevaluate what I've been doing uh, in the past and you know, allowed me to dive into my archives and reprocess some of those old works with fresh eyes and new techniques that I've learnt over the years. And you know, to me, that's, that's what that sort of time that you know, you're given use it wisely and, and learn new stuff and you know use that against stuff that you've already got in your archives and reprocess and, and see how how you can actually you know make an image better or if, if you can replicate the original result that you got uh, you know, using new techniques that can be you know a, a quite an interesting you know stylistic uh, aspect to, to, to what you're doing. Um, I started developing my style uh, a few years ago when I started to use those bracketed exposures and luminosity masks. Um, I largely work with only two ND filters now, uh, a three stop and a ten stop, and I found that I can shoot, uh, you know, f long exposures with full dynamic range, um, and that's opened up a, a lot of possibilities for creative control over how I make the images. The biggest challenge in doing that style of shooting though is making sure that you got the time to set up, take the shots and edit. You have to like editing. Um, so if you don't like editing, it's not really going to be for you necessarily. Um, the style of work means you need to understand your shooting and your processing workflows quite well and know your way around your tools. Uh, learning to do this thing, you know, learning to do things this way has been an interesting journey and I can see a marked difference between the, the early work that I was producing and the work that I produce now. Uh, doing lots of long exposure seascapes also means that you sometimes need to get your feet wet and that's really my happy place. As I said, standing knee-deep in waves flowing over a rock shelf on the coast near where I live uh, is, is, you know, where, where I'd love to spend a lot of time and quite frankly do winter, summer, spring, autumn. Um, whilst I've never actually fallen in, uh, you know, safety is really uh, a, a critical aspect of that. So if you are exploring out on rock shelves, make sure that you're wearing the right sort of shoes or cleats. And if the tides and seas are looking dodgy, don't take chances and get too near the edge. And make sure that you've sort of worked out what your line of escape is in case there is a bigger than usual wave that you need to run away from. Before I venture out and start wading into water, I normally spend some time watching what the waves are doing. Knowing what the tides are doing is really important as well. You can easily find yourself trapped in some location that looked fine at low tide, but it's a death trap at high tide. And it's vital if you're entering a sea cave, for example, knowing what, you know, what the sea conditions and what the tides are actually doing. 
some of those locations are completely inaccessible at high tides and if you time your shoot wrong, linger too long in the wrong spot, it might not end well. So be careful when you're out there shooting and take the time to familiarise yourself with what's going on. I remember though, you know, whilst I haven't fallen in or haven't, uh, you know, injured myself or, you know, uh, got hurt, I have uh, actually damaged uh, a couple of cameras, you know. I remember one dawn shoot out at uh, North Curl Curl. I was on the rock shelf out in front of the uh, the, the pool there and uh, the 6D Mark II just decided to uh, die. Um, uh, only seemed to have gotten a mid, uh, you know, a light splash from a wave, which honestly came across the shelf at ankle height. Um, it, but it splashed up off a off the lip of a a rock and you know splashed over the top of the camera a little. Um, what I didn't realise though was that uh, repeated soakings had actually uh, over the past couple of years had um, actually started to corrode some of the parts inside because. Uh, when I took it to uh, get it repaired, uh, they had to replace uh, a, a couple of a couple of the uh, the boards and make sure that uh, the, the the weather sealing etc was uh, back in place. Um, luckily, it didn't take too long; cost a bit, but uh, managed to get the uh, repair done fairly quickly, and I was back out shooting again. I guess that. Uh, tuning in to things like tides and seasons and so forth you know that's something that photography has really brought to me over the over the years um and you know i've kind of started to work out how to read conditions particularly in my local area and that sense of what's going on can really help you understand where and when to shoot as well as how composition is likely to work it's no good turning up at a place you know that that's great at high tide uh, when the tide's low and vice versa you know you've got to you've got to go to the right place at the right time I mean there are some places that you can go to where the tides aren't going to matter you know it's also not worth turning up to a waterfall in the middle of a drought you know you really kind of need to be there you know not necessarily while it's raining but very soon after rain you know some of those waterfalls uh, that I shoot they don't flow a lot uh, unless there is some rain um, so, you know, you've got to understand what the weather's doing. And so, you know, if the, if, if the clouds and the, uh, the, the sunrise, etc., look like they're going to be in the right spot, then I might go to a beach. But I might also choose that same day if it's looking really uh, cloudy and, you know, murky and you're not going to get a great sunrise or sunset, then, you know, head out to uh, a, a waterfall somewhere and uh, take shots there because... You know that low light, the, the the even light that you get through clouds, etc. You know that flat light really can help when when you're shooting things like waterfalls. So understanding your conditions is is absolutely vital. Uh, I I find it something that I I now you know look at those predictions on things like clear outside and windy and so forth. Um, you know, I use a few apps like those, Photo Pills, Photographers Ephemeris, um, and they can at least give you an idea about what conditions are going to be like. The tides are always going to be fairly accurate, but you're still not sure what you're going to get with waves. So the predictions that you get in there, um, whilst they might not be, you know, precise because they are forecasts and predictions, 
um, they're a pretty good tool to give you an idea about whether or not uh, you know shooting a sunrise or a uh, you know a, a particular location is going to be worthwhile. Um, you know sometimes you don't get what you think you're going to get when you look at the apps, but you know sometimes I just shoot anyway to uh, to to because you get what you get. You know weather weather is going to be weather, but knowing what it's going to be like and being able to read what uh, those weather conditions and tides are going to be like I, I think something that's really worth learning as a as a photographer and the more you do it the more more in tune you get with it and uh, you know it just becomes second nature and you know where to go and where to shoot when Along with this podcast, I'm also uh, starting to launch a few other photography-based ventures. Um, some of you that follow me on Instagram will know about plans that I've got for launching uh, workshops once the lockdown is over and uh, the, the Sydney can get out and uh, about and shoot again. Um, there'll be more on that in episodes to come. Um, I've also launched my own print website, grantswinbornphotography.com for print sales and as a way of showcasing my portfolio. Uh, if you'd like to have a print or you, you, know, you can either order them online directly or contact me uh, you know, by d via DM on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook um, and you know, you can, I can arrange prints. Um, you can also find me on Instagram at grantswinborn, uh, Twitter gswinborn and on Facebook, of course, uh, Grant Swinbourne Photo or Grant Swinbourne Photography. Um, I hope you've enjoyed this first show and will join me next time on Landscape Photography World. I hope to have a few guests coming and uh, I hope you uh, enjoy the show as we progress and make something worthwhile out of it. I'm Grant Swinbourne and hope to see you soon out shooting. Thanks. <laughs>